right, well, good morning, church. I am so excited to be here. Why don't you stand with us and let's sing and celebrate our Lord Jesus the Christ. Let's sing. Come on. Your grace is sufficient, Lord.
take a seat and let's see what's happening in this week's announcements. Take a seat. Good morning, Southview. We are so excited and thankful that you chose to worship with us this morning. Here are your big three announcements for the week. Calling all ladies, we would love to have you join us Saturday, August 26th at 9 a.m. here at Southview for our Ladies of Grace breakfast. It's a wonderful time of fellowship. Text the word BACON to our number 910-424-1298. We'd love to have you join us. And this announcement is for everyone. Are you interested in growing in your knowledge and understanding and love for Jesus? Well, if so, and I can't think of a single person that wouldn't be, we've got some exciting news. Our equip classes are starting September 10th here at the church. You can go to our church website and look under adult ministries for more information about that. Or you can simply text the word equip to our number 910-424-1298 to find out more information. And if you are looking for a place to serve here at Southview, we've got the perfect opportunity. Our classes for three-year-olds through the fifth grade are looking for teacher assistants. So if that interests you, we would love to have you come alongside our kids and be a blessing to them. You can text the word SERVE to 910-424-1298. And hey, if you're looking for information about how to sign up for a journey group, how to get plugged in, find out more information about ministries, we would love for you to download the Southview Baptist Church app either on Google Play or iTunes. And there are two main ways that you can give here at Southview. One, through the app that I just mentioned, or in the giving boxes as you exit the sanctuary. And if you're a guest visiting with us this morning, we are so grateful and honored that you chose to be at Southview. If you would, please text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298, and Pastor Brad will personally be reaching out to you and following up with you. We can begin to learn who you are and how we can minister to you and see how we can get you plugged into Southview. And thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Let's continue just to magnify the Lord as we worship in song. Amen. The, the best thing, the best thing about being a believer is that we put our faith and our trust in Christ, the foundation that never changes, that never wavers, that never falters. And we get to sing and celebrate these truths. So stand back up with us and let's continue to praise our gracious Lord. He is worthy. Fight on my knees. 
my God and I will give thanks to you you 
are my God, I will extol you. I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's praise him for that today.
You guys may take a seat. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just today, we ask you as we go into your word that you would empower us in our time together. That it would glorify and honor you. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us ears to hear. Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction and empowerment and just clarity for who you are, Lord God. And that we would be able today to say, truly, uh, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find 2 Corinthians chapter 10. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you're a guest with us today, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I get the privilege of being the pastor here at Southview, and it's just wonderful to have you worshiping with us today. So we're through the summer doing a little series we're calling I Love That Verse. And what we're doing is just really kind of highlighting some really cool verses in the Bible that as you read through the Bible, you come to these verses and they kind of leap off the page and you go, man, I love that verse. It just speaks to your heart, brings um, conviction or encouragement or empowerment, just really life-changing verses of Scripture. So today, as we look at our Scripture, uh, we're going to tackle the issue of really two things and how they they converge together. We're going to look at spiritual warfare, all right? Spiritual warfare that we are all in and your mind, your thinking, right? And how what you think and spiritual warfare really converge and go hand in hand. We're going to see how that battle is really false in one in our minds, either lost in your mind or one in your mind. How you think, what you think, is profoundly significant. Uh, A.W. Tozer, an American pastor and author, um, says, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about us. Nothing twists and deforms the soul more than an unworthy concept of God. When you think about God, whatever thoughts that come into your mind, that is the most important thing about you. What you think about God, what you believe about God, changes everything in your life. And if you have wrong views of God or lies about God or, 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 or have received things about the Lord that are not true to who He reveals Himself to be in His Word, as Tozer says, it will twist and deform your soul. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. In fact, when people ask me, um, you know, what should I do to grow in my faith? What I say to you is some variation of, you need to grow in the knowledge of who God is, right? You need to pour into your mind and into your heart a greater, more profound, more robust, robust understanding of who God is. Because if you see who God is and understand who God is, that will powerfully transform your life and bear out fruit. And, and I don't say that just out of thin air. I, I give that advice and counsel because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said to his church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The Apostle Paul's prayer for his church is that they would grow in the knowledge of God 
who he is, his will, his work, his ways. And as that happens, spiritual fruit is going to bear out. So today, again, we want to tackle this issue. of What stops us from really walking in the truth of who God says that he is? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read verses 3, 4, and 5, all right? So let's pick it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, so here's what's happening. So the Apostle Paul is having some issues in the Corinthian church, right? There, there are some people there that are pushing back on his authority, pushing back on submission to God, pushing back on obeying God in his word. And so the Apostle Paul is now stuck with, okay, how do I deal with this? What do I, how do I handle this? Do I show up screaming and yelling and flailing my arms around and telling people that you, you will do what I say, you will obey me? Now, he's an apostle and he has every right to do that, but I want you to notice that's not what he does. What he says instead is, this isn't a flesh and blood battle, so I'm not going to fight it in flesh and blood. I'm going to fight it in the spirit. It's a spiritual war, and the only way I'm going to have victory in a spiritual war is if I fight it with spiritual weapons. And that's what I want us to see today. You are not in a physical battle with flesh and blood. You are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, forces. It's a spiritual war. So, when we ask ourselves the question, and I just want you to kind of ponder these questions for a moment. If you say to yourself, something to the effect of, why can't I seem to grow past this point? Right? Have you come to a point where like, you've grown in the Lord, but there seems to be this block that stops you from growing farther? Is there a sin in your life that you just can't seem to shake? You just can't seem to get out of this. Is there a destructive pattern that just seems to keep happening over and over and over and over and over and over again? And you don't want to do it anymore, and you say you're not going to do it anymore, and you, you, you promise God really, really, really hard, and the people around you really, really, really hard, and you mean it when you say it. But doggone it, you just keep falling back in the same hole. Why is that? What's going on there? What I want you to see today is that I believe there is an answer to that question, if that's a question that you're pondering. I believe there is an answer. I believe God's word gives it, and I believe it's found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This passage is profoundly significant to me. It is a major passage of scripture that has um, borne out fruit in my life and helped me walk through those same exact questions. So I'm praying praying by God's grace. The same thing is going to happen for you. How do we grow? How do we mature? How do we move beyond roadblocks? What does all that look like and what does that mean? Uh, So let's dive back into our passage, all right? And uh, first big point I want you to see is this. The fight is not physical. 
All right? If you're going to see growth in the Lord, if you're going to see victory in spiritual warfare battles, you have to understand that this is not a physical fight. It's a spiritual one. So look at verse 3. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So it uses the word flesh twice there in verse 3. It'll use it again in verse 4. So the word flesh in the Greek is sarx, and, and it can mean two things. It can mean like flesh, like, like physical flesh and blood. But it's got a deeper meaning as well. It also means um, any human effort apart from uh, God's empowerment, right? So basically the flesh is your thinking, your reasoning, your willpower, your best efforts, your strength, your ideas, your plans, what you think you can accomplish, and what you strive to accomplish in your own abilities, right? That's the flesh. And what it says here is, on one level, we got to understand the fact that we live in the flesh, right? We, are, we live in a world governed by immutable, the law, immutable laws of physics, Right? We live in a world where we see and touch and taste and smell and feel. But what verse 3 is wanting to understand, help us to understand is, while that is true, though we live in the flesh, what we also must understand, and this is where a lot of Christians really, really kind of drop the ball and struggle, we focus almost entirely on the flesh and not the spirit. Just like there is a fleshly world, yes, there is a just as real spiritual world. And you cannot see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, smell it. But it is just as real. And if we were able to pull back the curtain of flesh in this world and see the spirit world behind it that is literally in the middle of a war in this room right now this second. Right now, a spiritual battle, a war is being waged. If we could pull back the flesh and see the Spirit, we would be absolutely amazed. And what he's trying to help you understand is this. Listen, the reason that we've struggled so mightily to gain ground is because you're trying to fight a, flesh, a spiritual battle in the flesh, and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. Even though we live in the flesh, we don't fight these battles in the flesh. So what would it look like to fight in the flesh? What does that mean? How do we fight in the flesh? Well, a few ways. You fight in the flesh every time that you attack another person and see them as your enemy. Every time you do that, you're fighting in the flesh. Is there any wonder it doesn't get anywhere? I mean, when you and your spouse sit down and yell at each other for an hour and a half, does that work? I mean, at the end you go, you know what? We should write a book. We're geniuses. I feel better. No. If you spend all that time attacking one another, you're this, well, you're that, well, you're the problem here, well, you're the problem there, well, if you just fix this, well, if you just fix that, attacking people, that's fighting a spiritual war with fleshly weapons. And it doesn't work. Every time we try to manipulate and engineer and change our circumstances, I know what the problem is. I need, a, 
I need a new spouse. I, I, I need a new job. I need to live in a new city. I need a new set of friends. I need a new church. I need new circumstances. If I can just change that, then everything is going to be fine. Have you ever been in a situation where you moved to a new town and you were convinced that that was going to be your fresh start? And then you moved to the new town um, and all the same stuff kept happening again? You know why? Because in all your packing, you forgot to realize the one thing you also packed was you. And so changing your circumstances didn't actually change anything. It may have bought you some time. It may have been a little bit of out of sight, out of mind for a while. But it doesn't change anything. You can't fight these spiritual battles with physical weapons. When you depend on your own reasoning, when you depend on your own willpower, when you depend on your ideas, these are physical ways in the flesh of trying to fight spiritual battles. And here's the thing I want you to understand. Satan does not mind you fighting him as long as you keep doing it in your flesh. He's completely fine with that. In fact, he wants it. He encourages it. He thinks it's a great idea. Self-help it's just fighting in your flesh. It's just fighting in your flesh. I mean, break down the word. Self-help. I mean, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but yourself is kind of the problem. I mean, you doing yourself kind of got you in the... See, sometimes the Spirit just grabs words and puts them back into your mouth. That's You is the problem. Right? So, self-help? Is it going to do? That is literally, exactly the very thing the Bible says don't do. Don't fight these battles with flesh. It's never going to work. So what do we do? Verse 4. We instead fight them in the Spirit. And our weapons that we're given to fight are spiritual and powerful. Look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So let's unpack verse 4 just for a quick moment. So it says, the weapons of our warfare. So the word warfare that it uses there is strategia. That's where we're going to get our English word strategy. And here's what's important. That word strategy is used to describe a prolonged military campaign. So there is, if you agree with me, a Significant difference between a random schoolhouse fight that ends in 10 seconds and a prolonged military campaign, right? One is flippant, it starts fast, it ends fast, it's over and done. The other requires strategy and planning and resources. And the Bible uses the word strategy, prolonged warfare, to describe the spiritual battle that you're in. Many of us get frustrated because we think we're going to throw one punch at Satan, he's going to fold up like a cheap suit and go, oh, you got me. And then when it doesn't happen, you go, this Bible thing doesn't work. I went to church, I prayed, and it still didn't work. No, this is a long-term strategy in a war. The enemy doesn't drop their weapons and give up because one shot's fired over the line. That's not the way this thing works. And it's not the way it works in the spirit either. And the Bible gives evidence to this. 
right? Joshua had to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times before they fell. Naaman had to be baptized seven times in the river before he was cleansed of leprosy. Elijah prayed seven times before the drought ended. And even then, a tiny little cloud that seemed insignificant and pointless popped up. Like, what's that going to do? The point is, listen to me, you're in a spiritual battle. And you have to understand, just because you had one good day, or just because you had a quiet time, or just because you came to church today, doesn't necessarily mean that all this just vanishes. What he's calling you to here is a prolonged strategy of warfare. What's your plan for making sure God's word is being poured into your heart and in your mind? What's your plan to make sure that you are effectively praying into this? What's your plan to make sure you have people around you that are going to love you and pray for you and encourage you and if need be, hold you accountable for things? What's your plan for that? Again, it is the equivalent. It is the equivalent of just running into a war hoping that thing is going to work out, and shocked when it's not over in a day and a half. Um, I, I, I read a book recently on uh, the Vietnam War. And, and the interesting thing about the Vietnam War, the reason that it just, just prolonged and, and, just, and just really became um, just a, a quagmire, was, and, and this was from men who were in the room, there was no thought or plan as to how this thing is going to end. Right? The, just never even considered it. Just never even thought through it. Let's just, it'll be fine. There was no actual plan. And we see how that works. Same thing spiritually. What he's calling us to here is, an, is a, a, a prolonged strategic war in the spirit of here's how I'm going to fight, here's how I'm going to pour God's word into my life, here's how I'm going to be faithful in prayer, here are the people I'm going to have around me to fight with me, here's my battle buddy, here's what we're going to do. Have a strategy. You're in a war. If you treat it flippantly or cavalier or think you can just go in by yourself, you're going to have your lunch eaten. Like it's going to go bad for you. And then we wonder what's wrong. Well, because the Bible speaks of warfare much differently than that. There's a strategy here. And and then specifically, so he says, the weapons of our warfare have divine Power. That word divine power literally means God's power. God's authority and power rests in these weapons that he gives us. And we'll talk about those in just a little bit. The weapons that he gives us. Divine, authoritative, supernatural power. To do what? To destroy strongholds. So let's chat about that just for a second. What is this stronghold that we're being... Um, um, empowered and commanded to break down. So the word stronghold, in, in the classical traditional sense, just means like a fortress or a castle. Uh, so um, our, our men in a couple of months are going to go to Fort Caswell for our men's retreat. And what is that? Well, it's a fort that was built onto the beach so that when an enemy comes, they can hide behind the fort from their attacks and then have a safe place to fire a, a counterattack, right? We understand this is a fortress. You set it up to hide behind so that you can protect yourself from any attacks of the enemy. So that was the original understanding of the word fortress. Over time, it grew in its, in its, in its meaning to not just mean a physical fortress, but a mental one. It, it, it was a word used in debates, 
to describe an argument that you set up as a wall blocking the attacks of your opponent that you're debating. Does that make sense? Right? Here's my wall set up of my argument so that I can't get any of the opposing arguments in to, to, to take a hit. And that's the idea that the Apostle Paul has here when he's describing this. He's describing something mental, not physical. And you see that in verse 5. So let's look at verse 5. So again, verse 4 says we're going to destroy strongholds. Verse 5 defines what that means. Look at verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So look what he destroys. He destroys arguments and lofty opinions Raised against the knowledge of God. Arguments are um, judgments, opinions, ideas, right? Thoughts that you have, arguments. So there are some ideas that are wrong and need to be destroyed. And then it says lofty opinion. So the word lofty um, uh, opinion is actually, again, another military term. It describes this high wall that's built up, that you would build up as a defense from the attacks of the enemy. And it says you have this lofty opinion, this high wall raised up specifically against the knowledge of God. So here's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a mindset that is opposed to God's word and God's will in your life. A stronghold is a wall that has been built up in your mind that stops you from receiving the knowledge of who God is. A stronghold is a lie that blocks the truth from coming into you. So think about it like this. So we have these strongholds in our lives. Imagine my podium here is my stronghold, all right? That's, this is what I'm hiding behind. So a stronghold is something that you would duck down and hide behind to protect you from anything coming in. And the way the Bible is describing it is there are ways that wrong ideas, lies about God, get built up in your mind. And you hide behind those. Whenever the truth starts to come in, you hide behind them so that they can't come in. So things like, you know, God loves you. And you have someone hide behind a wall and say, well, well, if he really loved me, he wouldn't have let that happen. You know, God forgives you. I, I, I don't feel forgiven. No, no, you don't know what I've done. I, I know he, God can't forgive me. You, you know God says that you are to forgive that person like he's forgiven you. No, 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 you don't know what they've done to me. My situation is different. No, 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 no. I, I can't forgive them because they don't really want, they haven't really admitted what they've done. So I can't forgive them until they do that. You know that the Bible says that sex is between a husband and a wife married forever. No, 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 you don't understand. Our situation's different. We really love each other and we're married in God's eyes. We're totally different. No, 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 you don't understand. No, no, no. God made me homosexual. He made me this way. I can't help any of that. I know you say that's what the Bible says, but no, I'm different. And all of these things, what's happening? These are strongholds. These are high walls of defense built up in your mind that stop you from receiving the truth. God's word says this. No, 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 you don't understand, I'm different. God's word says this. No, 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 not for me. Last week, last week here, we... um, Looked at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the idea behind it was, you don't have to be anxious. In, in fact, we'd go even a step farther than that. The, the Bible would say it's, it's a sin to be. It, it shows that there's something in your life you're just not trusting God with. And here's how this stronghold thing works. I want you just to hear me, okay? I have no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind, that as we did that last week, there were people in this room that walked out of here saying to themselves, he doesn't understand me, I'm different. I'm just an anxious person, that's who I am. I've always been a worrier, I can't help that. This is just, this is just my cross to bear, despite the fact that's not at all what that verse means. That's how the stronghold thing works. A truth is proclaimed, but instead of hearing and receiving and allow that to bear fruit, a wall is set up saying, no, 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 that doesn't count for me. You don't understand. I'm different. See how that works? And as this happens, what we're doing is we're, we're walling ourselves off from God, from truth, the truth that will set you free. We wall ourselves off from it, not allowing God and His truth to really bear out in us. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we combat this? Well, verse 5, we must fight. You must fight this. Don't just give in. Don't just float along. Fight. Look at verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Look, it says in verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. The word destroy there means to throw down by force and totally demolish. 1 John 3, 8 says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Can I just encourage you just for a second? Quit trying to manage what Jesus came to destroy. Quit trying to manage your sin. Quit trying to manage your lack of faith in God. Quit trying to manage the wrong ideas and the wrong opinions and the wrong beliefs that you have. Jesus said we are to destroy them destroy them every argument every idea that's contrary to the truth of god's word every lofty opinion that's been raised up that sets you off from the knowledge of who god is and what he's doing in your life separate yourself from that destroy it fight it wage war against it not only that it says we also take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let's chat about that for a second. So can, um, can I throw out a really crazy idea? Um, you are not the helpless victim of your thoughts. You can control what you think. 
In fact, the Bible here lists this as a command. It's a present active participle. The idea is it's not so much a command as much as it is an understood regular moment of action. The idea that he's trying to explain is, as you keep going through life, constantly take these thoughts captive. Constantly take the thoughts captive. Constantly grab them, take them captive, and place them under submission to Jesus. What causes these um, strongholds and, and high lofty defense walls to get built up in your mind? Here's how it works. Thoughts come into your mind. And you let them stay there. Angry thoughts, lustful thoughts, bitter thoughts condemning thoughts, thoughts contrary to the truth of what God's word says is a true of God, his character, his nature, his work, his ways, his desires and wills for your life. Thoughts come into your mind that are contrary to that. And you just let them stick around. And they just stay. And as they're in there and you let them stay and you mull them over, over and over and over, they start to build up walls, fortifying their position. So that it eventually just becomes the way you think. It just becomes the way you think. And the way you think affects how you live. Um, I, I saw a news report this week that, that I think really um, illustrated this well. So they have an issue in Florida with squatters. Do you know what that is? So a squatter is someone who would go into a home that is not theirs. It's, it's empty for whatever reason. They'd go in and they just squat. Um, in this news report, they actually interviewed somebody that sometimes these homes are vacant, sometimes they're being remodeled. One person they interviewed was on a week's vacation. Track with this. They went on vacation for a week, came home, and people are in their house. So what do they do? They call the police, obviously. You show up and somebody's in your house, you call 911. The police show up. Interesting thing, the people don't run away. They, they, they don't hide. They calmly walk to the door, and they present a forged lease agreement with the homeowner's forged signature, saying, these people said that we could live here. Now imagine you're the police officer. He's just showing up on the scene, standing out in the street. And he's like, look, you're saying this, you're saying this. All I know is they're showing me a document that looks legitimate, with a signature that you're admitting, admitting looks like yours, even though you're saying now you didn't do it, I, I, don't, I don't know what I can help you with here. And so the people had to go to court for 30, 60, 90 days to get these people removed from their own home. And by that time, obviously, the house is just destroyed, and it's just a, a horrible, horrible situation. But here's how this relates to this idea. Thoughts come into your mind. And just like these squatters, they say, no, 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 we have every right to be here. I mean, this thought is in your head, and it's your voice thinking it, so clearly it's got to be yours. Clearly this is perfectly fine. And so they set up shop, they squat in a place that is not rightfully theirs. And they just remain. But the Bible says you have spiritual authority and divine power the weapon, with the weapons of your warfare, to tear down those strongholds, to take those thoughts captive, to place them in a submission to Jesus, and kick them out. Today, I want to 
by God's grace, I want to, I want to help you get free. Because I want you to see you are not helpless in this. You can fight it. And the power of the Holy Spirit with the weapons that He has given you, fight. As you look at verses 3 through 5, what you see here is obviously a work of God. But I want you to see in verses 3 through 5 all the things that you're told to do. Right? We must fight. We're in a war. We have divine weapons. We destroy arguments. We take every thought captive. We're doing something. We're fighting. You don't just sit back and go, well, let go and let God. He'll take care of it. No, you must fight. The weapons have been given to you. The, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit has been given to you. Fight. Is it a miraculous work of God? When these strongholds are torn down and these thoughts are taken captive, yes! But it's a miracle that happens through your effort. So think about it like this, a, a, a Bible story that I use as an illustration for this kind of thing. Think of Abraham and Sarah. So if you're familiar with the story in Genesis, Abraham and Sarah. So Abraham, Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah's 90 years old. Uh, the Bible says that Sarah's body was as good as dead. I don't know how old you get to cross over to the as good as dead category, right? I'm not even going to throw a number out there. I don't know. But apparently Sarah did it. All right? So Abraham's old, Sarah's old, but God has promised them they're going to have a baby. And it happens. Sarah becomes pregnant with Isaac. They have a child. And it is a miracle. There is no physical, earthly rationale for Abraham and Sarah having this baby. Sarah has been barren her entire life, and now she's 90. There is no good reason why they should have this baby. It is a clear and obvious supernatural miracle of God. And Sarah did not become pregnant by some immaculate conception. Abraham and Sarah had normal marital relations. They went through the normal physical relationship they've always had. But as they did what they do, God did something supernatural. In the same way with this, listen, God desires for strongholds to be pulled down in your mind. God desires for these high lofty opinions and lies and and, and, and falsehoods about God to be pulled down. God desires for these rogue thoughts to be grabbed, taken captive, and thrown under the submission of Jesus Christ. He wants to do that, and he will supernaturally have that happen. But he does that through you and I fighting. Right? It's not magic. I tell you all the time we worship Jesus Christ, not Harry Potter. It is not magic. It is you working the miracle. It's you walking by faith, trusting that God is going to do what only he can do. So what are our weapons? How do we fight? I'll give you a few. What are the weapons of our warfare? One, the word of God, right? The Bible is 
our weapon. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 is going to say that the word of God is the sword by which we cut off the enemy's head. James 1.21 says, Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. As you humbly receive God's word, let that seed get planted into your heart. It bears out life and fruit and freedom and empowerment. How are you? If you're going to fight, the question you have to ask is, how are you intentionally, strategically, consistently pouring God's word into your heart and mind? How are you setting your life up to make sure that you are having God's word daily? Not just sitting in here, but daily. You are actively in God's word. Allowing God's word to bear out in you and be planted in you. The only way you tear down a lie is by pounding it with the truth. The only way you find the truth is through his word. How are you doing that? Second is prayer. Prayer by definition is warfare. And Jesus promises, you pray in my name, I'm going to work. John 14, 31, uh, John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 16, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. John 16, 23, whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he will give to you. Prayer is a powerful tool. It's a weapon. A weapon that we use to push back the enemy, tear down strongholds, see thoughts taken captive. You are not helpless in this. Fight in prayer. That's why in the scripture last week, we talked about anxiety. On purpose, he also linked prayer with that. Instead of thinking anxious thoughts, think prayerful thoughts. Instead of milling around anxiety, anxious thoughts in your mind, focus and mill around prayers on the faithfulness of who God is in your mind. Prayer fights these things. Next, fasting. Matthew 17 is going to say that there are certain kind of strongholds that only come down through prayer and fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is setting aside physical needs because you say, I need God more. More than a hunger and thirst for food and water, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I need him. So I'm laying all this down because I need God to do something in me. I do not live by bread alone. I live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so I'm setting aside food because I want God more. And as we do that, he empowers us to see these strongholds poured down, thoughts taken captive, truth embedded last one I want you to consider is confession and repentance. What allows strongholds to remain is when sin is in our life and we don't confess it and turn from it. And when you allow it to stay and allow it to stay and allow it to stay, it just becomes more entrenched and more entrenched and more entrenched and that wall that it's building gets higher and higher and higher and higher. There's sin that you need to confess and repent because you allowing it to stay in you 
just creating a stronghold. This is why, again, this is all throughout the scriptures. Ephesians also is going to say, don't let the sun go down on your anger and thereby give the devil a foothold. Same word, stronghold. When you allow things to go undone, when you allow relationships to stay broken, when you allow forgiveness to not be given and received, when you allow bitterness to stay in you, you are giving, literally, Satan, a stronghold, a foothold, a place in the door so that it can't be shut. You've got to confess and repent of that. You've got to make those relationships right. You're creating opportunities for footholds and strongholds to be set up in your life. This is extraordinarily practical. It's actually not rocket science. We look at our lives and go, gosh, I just, I just don't know. Whenever I have couples that come in from marriage counseling, we're going to spend the first month and just talk about forgiveness. We're going to drill and drill and drill and drill and drill on this. Because in my experience, normally marriages do not fall apart because of some massive unbelievable thing. That happens, but it's rare. Usually, it's death by a billion paper cuts over a couple of decades. Just bleeding all over the place. Why? Because those small offenses were never forgiven, and it just builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and eventually a stronghold is created to where you couldn't, it gets so high, you can't even see the possibility of that marriage getting reconciled. Why is it that you can't see the possibility of your marriage getting reconciled? I would submit because you're standing behind a really tall wall in your mind that has been built up over the years, unforgiveness and unforgiveness and unforgiveness and unforgiveness. And, and I, I didn't say none of this was in the first service. Apparently you heathens need it. So why is it the first time you do a sin it's like you got hit by a truck but the tenth time you do a sin it's not as bad. It doesn't hit you quite as hard. Why is that? I would submit Listen very carefully. That is the first warning sign of a stronghold that's being built up in your mind. A coldness and a callousness to that sin where it doesn't prick you like it used to prick you. And it doesn't convict you like it used to convict you. And it doesn't hurt your heart like it used to hurt your heart. Now you're starting to be okay with it. Why are you doing that? 2 Corinthians 10, man. Stronghold is being built up. An argument, a rationale, a reasoning in your mind is being built up. you got to tear that stronghold down in Jesus' name for the sake of your soul. Fight this. And then maybe you not only need to confess that to God, you may need to confess it to other people. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be it may be that you need to bring someone else into the conversation and just admit to them, look, this is something I've been struggling with. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you encourage me? And there's something about that, that these strongholds survive, these lies foster and grow in secrecy and in darkness. You've got to let the light shine in so that those strongholds can be taken down, those thoughts can be taken captive. 
2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How different would your life be if you lived that verse? That's one of the cool things that I've noticed throughout this entire series. These are the verses where you go, you know, if you actually lived that, how different would your life be? That's a life change verse. How different would your life be if through the power of the Holy Spirit you honestly sought to take every single thought captive and place it under the submission of Jesus. You actively sought to fill your mind and fill your heart with the truth of God's word so that when these lies come, you immediately see it and throw it out. How different wouldn't your life be? Brothers and sisters, this is yours in Christ. This is yours. This is available for you. I want to ask you today, I encourage you, I beg you, see, Jesus Christ died on the cross for this victory. The victory is yours. You're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. Jesus Christ died and rose again so that Satan can be totally destroyed. Now, from that victory, you get to say, dear God, help me as I pull down these strongholds and throw out these lies and live in the truth of who you are. Because you have been given that victory. So Jesus, I pray for us today. I ask you, Lord, that you would today empower us to see truth, who you are, and be encouraged and emboldened and changed by it. We submit ourselves to you today, Lord, and ask you to do with us and in us whatever is in your good will and pleasure. And we ask you today that you would show any stronghold that's in our minds so that we will fight it and tear it down. You will show us all the rogue thoughts that are not of you, are not true, are not right, are not biblical, are not godly. We will take those rogue thoughts and we will take them captive and we will throw them under submission to you, Jesus. And we will free ourselves up to receive the truth of who God is truth of his word and be changed by it forever. Do this in us, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand, guys, as we worship together, celebrating and worshiping and proclaiming the amazing victory that we have in Jesus. Let's worship together.
thank you that we are redeemed and set free in you. I pray, Lord God, that we would not just hear this, but have the ears to hear in our spirit, not just our physical. But again, this isn't the physical battle, it's a spiritual one. So I pray, God, that we would hear in our spirit that we are set free in you, Jesus, and that we don't have to be held back by these strongholds of wrong ideas and thoughts of who you are, but we can believe the truth of who you are and be changed by that. Thank you, Jesus. Do this work in us for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.